Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. It's time for school. Rock school with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns, mm-hmm. or what I call the Michael McDonald way of singing into a <laughs> microphone. Class is in. Rock School Radio Show, and we're finishing up the fourth show in this long run of you recording your first demo. What do you do? How is it all done? And we have with us, of course, as always, to my left. Monique Gregwell. I'm Joe Burns, and we have our special guest in the studio. You are? David Perricone. Okay, Dave, I'm going to re- rely on you a whole lot in this next one because uh, I've only done miking of instruments that are, uh, you know, it, it, through an amplifier. Uh-huh. I haven't recorded a lot of other instruments. Like acoustic instruments, things like yeah, that? Yeah, and, and reed instruments and things like that. Sure. So I'll be I'll be asking opinion and things like that. So what we're going to talk about this and final show is the concept of how are you going to mic these things? How are you going to record them? How are you going to get these things you know, onto tape and make them sound as real as possible? Because you can set up a microphone three feet from an amplifier, play it, and it won't sound like the guitar because right. you've created this space between the amplifier and the microphone and that ambient space creates a terrible sound Mm -hmm. which is why when you record a guitar you shove the mic right up against the grill cloth that's it okay microphoning microphoning miking drums (laughs) drums which is darn impossible it just depends on what you want it to sound like there's two general methods that i found one of them is to mic the space that the drum is in, and one of them is to mic the drums individually. Which do you do? And then also there's a hybrid of that also, where you can do both. It really depends on the song. You really need to let the song tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. You really need to listen to the song first. But uh, you can get a pretty good sound when you record just the the space the drums in which a lot of people refer to as the glenn johns method Mm -hmm. glenn johns used to do that years ago and he just used two mics maybe three right and and if you do it right you don't get any phase issues or anything else like that which phase issues you'll make the the mics cancel each other out and you'll you'll have all kind of sound issues right and people do that they can't understand why the microphones aren't working right and they they just screw it up but the glenn johns or or mic space method basically you've got one mic kind of over the drummer's head and then the other mic pretty much and i'm I'm, people visualize i'm doing this in front of a microphone so you can't see me but but joe and monique can and the other one kind of over his left shoulder and they're both pointing at the snare drum Mm -hmm. down and and down but they're both equal distances from the snare drum and that's what can't that's what avoids the phase problem. The phase pro- problem. When you do that, you get a fantastic, very large, 
drum sound. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not going to get a very wide stereo spread on it, but you're going to get a stereo drum sound. From what, I, from what I understand, Ringo Starr was recorded that way. Early on, he was. Right. That was That's the original Beatles drum sound. I understand that a lot of what I call XY miking, two simple microphones crossed in an X pattern on top, was the way a lot of the drum sound was gotten through Led Zeppelin. Yes. Ah. that's And that's a different miking technique, the yeah. XY. Uh, of course, what you're talking about also is do, doing each drum, uh, doing each drum individually, which is close miking, and then there's hybrid pattern where you're going to do each drum individually plus the, the overhead over top, yeah, over the top. And then some people will also use a set of room mics placed 10 to 15 feet away, and you mm-hmm. get if you're in a good room, right. Which is why people say, how in the world does Bonham sound so huge? Well, because the recording of him was huge. They mm-hmm. recorded a space right, rather than a drum. That'll give you a larger-than-life drum sound. Yep. And, and you can blend in that room sound little, a lot, depending on how big you want the drums to sound. Right. The problem with recording drums, though, is the phase issues. That's why it's such a difficult thing for people to do. Right. A lot of people don't know this, but in movies and such, they do what's known as recording the room. They simply put a microphone in the middle of the room and they record it. Now they have 30 minutes of just the room. So what they'll do is they'll bring in that ambient noise of the room so they have control of it. So what you're talking about is bringing in the ambient noise of the room that the drum has made. So the natural reverb, the natural echo, the natural everything that occurs, even in a dead room, there is some slap and such. Mm -hmm. And you'll bring that in and that makes it sound so much larger. Right. And back in the uh, 70s, you had a lot of the opposite of that. You had a lot of very dead recordings Mm -hmm. of drums where the snare would go, and that was it. You didn't have the ambient sound of the room. Right. But nowadays, they're getting back more toward the older ways, and you hear a lot of the ambient sounds of the room. Yeah. So what you need is what you want to get. You make a decision, and then you record it that way. You let the song dictate what you, what you want the sound to be. Speaking of drummers, Genesis. Turn it on again. Isolated vocal track. What's the name of the singer? from Genesis going over to you now what's the name of the singer Phil Collins Phil Collins you did it we did get it right sounds like this on Rock School all I need is a TV show and the radio down on my luck again down on my luck again I can show you I can show you some of the people in my life I can show you I can show you some of the people in my life. out of Phil Collins, Genesis, isolated vocal track. Let's talk about miking a guitar amplifier. Here's the thing. Don't ever get a guitarist started on any part of his instrument because you'll never shut him up. So my opinion is there are as many methods to doing this as there are guitarists. Me, I like the instrument, the well, the, the amplifier itself, in an isolation booth, raised, 
put it up on something, don't put it on the floor, uh-uh. with a sure SM57 stuck right into the center of the speaker on axis. What that means is the instead of it being, what do you call that, perpendicular to it, right. about a 45 degree angle right into it, right up against the grill cloth. That's the way I like to have it recorded, agree or disagree. Yeah, I do agree. I don't like it, except for one thing. I don't shove it directly in the middle. I shove it up against it slightly off center. You know, the little dust cover right, over the, the coil. Yeah. I, I usually shove it right to the edge of the dust cover. Other than that, we're directly in right agreement. Now, some people say the farther you move the mic back, the mellower the sound gets. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Uh, some people say keep it on the floor, put it on the hardwood floor, and then make sure the microphone is on one of those small stands so it picks up reverb through the floor. You know, reverberation right. or you know yeah. residual sound. Okay, maybe. One guy says six inches back from the amp, two mics for stereo, one right on the cone and one off axis. Okay, maybe. fine. Uh, one guy says there's no such thing as uh, as a better recording than a Sennheiser MD42IU cardioid mic. You must use that mic. Okay. Yeah. That's if, what he says. That's what you like. That's what he says. Another guy says never use huge amplifiers. Do not come in with a, you know, a, 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 a two-by-two cabinet with a Marshall head. He said always record out of a single speaker. As a matter of fact, don't go any higher than a 10-inch speaker. Because it's a more focused, more pretty sound out of a smaller speaker. Joe Walsh says he never records with anything other than like a small practice amp. That's how he gets it. Wow. And I think most people actually do that. But sure, people record out of big 12-inch speakers all the time. I'm just telling you other things that people said. And one guy says, for the love of God, do not record uh, out of an amplifier at all. Go straight into the board. No. You don't like that? No. I mean... You've got to have something. I mean, you, well, you got to have something. I guess there's no real rules, but that's just my opinion. Okay. Called a personality. This is the isolated guitar track from Living Color here on Rock School. Okay, first break here on Rock School. Now, you and I went on and on about this last time we recorded. How do you mic an acoustic guitar? A lot of people just stick a microphone right at the F hole in the front. That circular hole in a guitar is called the F hole. stands for forte. It means loud. Right. Now, you say no. Just don't stick a microphone at the F hole. Too boomy. Okay, what do you do? I found the way to get the most natural sounding acoustic guitar on tape is... To get a cardioid mic, condenser mm-hmm. preferably, right, and about a foot away from the instrument and point it toward the 12th fret, which is right around where the, where the neck meets the body. Right, somewhere around there. Well, a dreadnought meets it at the 14th, so you're pretty close. Pretty close, right around where the, where the neck meets the body. And how far away is the microphone? About a foot, eight oh. inches to a foot. Okay. And I find you're going to get the most natural sound right about there. Okay. If you want to do it in stereo, put your other mic behind the bridge. Behind the, I mean, inside the guitar? No, no, no. On the outside of the guitar, but on the opposite side. Oh, on the outside. Okay. All right. Or you can put it over 
their shoulder pointing down at the guitar. So you're miking a space as much as you're miking the instruments. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Miking a bass. Uh, a lot of people go what's known as DI or direct in because normally you don't have a lot of effects on a bass. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you want to mic the cabinet, uh, it says here use a dynamic mic, but get the largest diaphragm you possibly can. Don't yes. use the SM57 like you do for a guitar. No. One guy said use the Electro Voice RE20. Which is, by the way, what I'm speaking into right now. Yeah, this is a great bass mic. Yep. And uh, it says here, the best thing you can do is record the mic, uh, record the bass, and then just keep moving the mic across the amp because the speaker is normally quite large. Right. Just keep moving the microphone across the front of the amp until you get the sound that you want. Just pick an arc. Don't move it straight across. No. Pick an arc. And then to keep moving it across in, you know, I don't know, three or four inch things, record it until you go, that's it. That's the sweet Mm -hmm. spot. That's it. That's what I want. And and also what you're probably going to want to do, and this is getting into processing a little bit too, but on the way in, you probably want to compress the bass a little bit. And that's because bass tones are usually all over the place in volume. And you, you want to keep them in check. Very good. Okay. Who's listening to us, Monique? KRFY in Sandpoint, Idaho. Radio Universidad, Salamanca, Spain. They have got us on the radio Mm -hmm. over in Spain. I don't know how to say radio in Spanish. I'm assuming it's radio. Uh, Back in a minute here on the radio on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break. Now, while the break was playing, you stated that you don't think the Electrovoice RE20, the microphone, the Electrovoice RE20, what I'm speaking into right now, yes. what I spoke into my entire radio career yes. over five states, over nine different radio stations, this is what Mike was in in every single solitary place. Industry standard. You don't like this microphone for voice? Well, it's not that I don't like it for voice. I just like other mics better. Oh, okay. All right. See, I think this is I think this is the the the, the unbelievably best mic for voice, I, especially for radio. Yeah. Well, it's got some features about it that make it really good. It doesn't have what they call a proximity effect, really, which I guess is the biggest. Well, in radio, you make your own proximity. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. As a singer, I don't know much about that, but in radio, you make your own proximity. You also stated that Brad Delp of Boston, this was the microphone he recorded into. This is what. Uh, his uh, bandmate Tom Schulz, who basically produces everything right. from Boston, this is what he states that he recorded Brad all of Brad Delp's uh, vocals with. Well, I'll tell you the thing about a microphone, and this is hard to get across to people who just assume speak and the microphone will pick it up. Every time you need to use a microphone, you need to understand how a microphone works, and half of getting a microphone to sound good is learning how to use it yes, mm-hmm. and learning how to speak to it. Uh, too many people go like this with the microphone yeah, and they think it. that's the way the sound's going to sound good. Mm-hmm. Or they'll talk like this into the microphone. <sighs> that's what I hate. And right. they'll close like crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a concept of you speak either across the microphone, but you speak at the microphone. And you don't speak at the front no. of mm-hmm. the microphone. You speak to the butt. Of the microphone, you right. speak through the microphone. Through the microphone, that's always, right. and it's it and it's really funny. You have to get a person in a room and say to them, "Okay, this is microphone technique." 
Right. This is how you do it. And nicest microphone in the world will not help anybody if there's a problem to do it. Mm-hmm. Or what I call the Michael McDonald way of singing into a <laughs> microphone. Okay, you said uh, rock and roll band, Boston? That sounds good to me. Let's do it. Here's Brad Delp, isolated guitar track first, uh, vocal track first, and then right into rock and roll band here in Rock School. Well, we were just another band out of Boston On the road and trying to make ends meet Playing all the bars, sleeping in our cars And we practiced right out, out in the street No, we didn't have much money We barely made enough to survive But when we got up on stage and got ready to play People came All right, coming into the bottom of the hour, let's talk real quickly. Miking brass instruments. Do you have any? Do you have any uh, experience in that? Recording brass instruments. A little bit, yeah. Brass is is a funny, funny thing to record. You got to be careful with it because most people what they want to do is stick a mic right up into the bell, and you can't do that. You Why get, not? Well, you get the wind. Number one. Oh, okay. And it, it just doesn't sound good. I would assume you get their lips and their pucker, which is what I hear all the time with people playing saxophone. Uh, yeah, you, I hear brass. that. You get that from saxophones, yeah. And 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 but 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 brass, you want to put the microphone a little bit away from it. And you don't want to use you, you want to use a dynamic mic on that. I'm, I'm agreeing with some of the notes we have here. Yeah. You want to use a dynamic on it, but you don't want to put it right up in the bell. You want to use it a little bit off axis. Right. I heard. I read one guy said, "Miking too close to the bell will exaggerate and disrupt the tonal balance." Yeah. And this guy just flat out says, "Get away from the bell. Go to where the the changes of the notes are made, uh, the keys on a on a trumpet, the valves, the valves and such." And he said, "That's where you put the mic." So when a guy's playing a trumpet, he said, "Take a microphone and stick it straight down at the trumpet, so they're again." you know, perpendicular to one another. Yes. I don't know whether that would work or not, but it sounds again like you're miking the space rather than miking the you know, the the where you think the music is coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never uh I've never re- done that before. I might have to try that method. Not not a bad thing. Let's do seven days, seventy seconds, take a break. These are the dates, July twenty eighth, all the way through August third. I believe you, Monique, have Monday. Go right ahead. July twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine, police in Moscow reported that thousands of public phone booths have been vandalized after thieves were stealing parts of the phones to convert their acoustic guitars to electric. Cool. <laughs> July twenty ninth, nineteen sixty six date book published maureen cleaves interview with john lennon in which he said we're bigger than jesus now Hmm. july 30th 1968 the beatles closed their apple boutique in london after seven months of business giving all the stock away to passers-by and apple staff july 31st 1964 country singer jim reeves is killed in a plane crash when the single engine craft flying from arkansas to nashville crashes in a thick fog Hmm. August 1st, 1964, Billboard magazine reported that the harmonica was making a comeback in a big way thanks to use by Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, and Bob Dylan. I still wish I could play it. I have I have four or five different harmonicas in different keys. Mm-hmm. I still wish I could play it. I'm just not that good. August 2nd, 1962, Robert Allen Zimmerman legally becomes... Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Yes, sir. August 3rd, 1974, Anne Murray appears at the Schaefer Festival in New York as the headlining act. Her opening act, 
was a little-known Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Oh. You know, every every band has to have that. Yeah. Let's finish up miking real quick. I know it makes for a long break, but reed instruments. Again, what I'm finding is stay away from the bell. Yeah, I think so on reed instruments. You want to? I think you want to. I think you want to mic reed instruments in the area of the keys because that is really where the sound comes from. Right. Yeah. Don't so don't stick a microphone up the end of a an oboe up the end of a clarinet. I don't think so. Where the where the fingers are on the keys, that's where you put the microphone and tell the person to stand still. Pretty much. If if they would do it. So. And, and you don't have a flute on here, but a flute. I think you want to record a flute above the flute near where the person's lips are because that's right. where you're getting the, the, that sound from but not in front because they'll blow on the microphone exactly and it says here saxophones are a bit different because the bell curves upward position the mic approximately three feet away and above the instrument so it says huh. but again try it see what happens we got to play something James Jamerson, the man who has been to the top of the charts more than any other bass player in history, maybe any other human being in history, bassist, part of the house band for Motown. This is the isolated bass track to Reach Out, I'll Be There. Sounds like this on Rock School. Coming out of the four tops, let's get into the last step of it. You have recorded your tracks. You have recorded your demo, your three songs, five songs, ten songs, twelve songs, however many. You know, if you if you play like the Ramones, you're 15 songs. At least. <laughs> Fine. Sure. I think they're all two and a half minutes long. Uh, and that's the that's the extended version. It is now time to have these things mixed and mastered. Now, you do this. This is a service that you offered. Yeah. What does that even mean? Because some people would say, well, who cares about that? Just, you know, make it sound kind of good and throw it on and let's go. Why do I even care about mixing and mastering? Mastering is where your song comes to life. You, you breathe life into it. And what I'm, this is what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. You, your final mix, you blend everything together, make it sound right. But when you go through the mastering process, this is where you make it ready to go on radio, make it ready to go on CD, make it ready to go on vinyl, what have you. And what do you mean by make it ready? Is it a lot of EQ or... Well, it depends. Some songs you get to, you don't may not need any EQ. They may just need a little touch. You may just have to bump up the volume a little bit, or you may need to add just a little touch of a compression. Compression, yeah, I you know may, what you mean. But what you do is you, and I don't know how to explain it other than to say you add add a little bit of this, a little bit of that ingredient, and it just opens the song right up. I wish I had I wish I had a before and after that I could let you hear. Mm-hmm. But 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 mastering is almost a voodoo sound. Uh, is almost a voodoo process. And it's not something you can do yourself. You need to hand it off to. You need to hand it to somebody. Yeah, and hand I, it off to a professional. And and I don't and I don't recommend that the person who mixed it also do the mastering. I I usually say that some that a different set of ears. Right. Otherwise, the guy that mixed it, well, he might as well be mastering as he mixes it. As he mixes the mm-hmm. whole thing. Right. Yeah. It, it is. It's basically the final stage before it goes to 
be yeah. made into a CD. Right, and then people can go ahead and listen to it. We're going to talk about what actually happens in the mastering process, the things you have to think about, and uh, I'll give you an example. I found a place that basically lists four-hour service. You can send your stuff off to be mastered. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll have David comment as we're doing that. So who's listening to us there in the radio land? KPVL in Decorah, Iowa. KSRQ, Thief River Falls, Minnesota. Thank you so much. Back in a minute here on the Rock School Radio Show. In just a minute, we're going to go into an isolated track from Motley Crue. Looks at Kill, vocals, as a matter of fact, from Vince Neil. Okay, here are some things. Now, you talked about that you can send off your your uh, mix yes. to multiple different studios, and they'll master them for you. And one of the ones you suggested to me was Across the Pond. Who will do it? Abbey Road Studios. 125 bucks a song. About that, yeah. And it's... They're... They're some of the best mastering studios in the world. Right. And guess what? When it gets back, you get to put on your product mastered at legendary Abbey Road Studios. Now, how cool would that be? It would be phenomenal. That's incredible. And you just have to think about it. Ten songs, $125. Is it worth that amount of money to you? I mean, Mm -hmm. what's that? $1,250. Absolutely. And you've got to have your songs mastered before you put them out anyway. it's more than that, isn't it? Am I right about that? $1,250. $1,250. Yeah, I didn't put enough zeros in there. It's two (laughs) zeros. Yeah, I knew I was wrong about that. Is it worth that to you? Absolutely. you got to have it mastered regardless. Yeah, I guess. Okay, here are some things that you may not have thought about that actually happens during the mastering process. It takes the mix down to a stereo mix. You have to you have to figure out what goes left, what goes right, mm-hmm. what stays center, and where in the stereo 180 spectrum, right. all the way left, all the way right, where right. do these things fit? And that's mm-hmm. something a person who is a masterer is that the correct term? Are you a masterer? <laughs> it, that it's correct today. Okay, fine. Uh, they make a decision of of that. Uh, if you decide to do it in terms of stems, do you master in terms of stems? Yeah, you can. It, it's it, it depends on what the the client wants. It really is. The, it really is the producer's decision on whether or not they want okay. it done in stems. Stems, by the way, is grouping instruments together mastering the little group of instruments, then bringing that into the mix. Right. Grouping this troop, mastering it, bringing it into the mix. Or do you do it all in one fell swoop? Right. Here's another thing I never thought about, but somebody had to do it. Does the song fade in? Does the song fade out? Yes. Hmm? And who does that? Somebody has to make that decision. The song comes up here. The song comes out here. Does your song stop dead and then start again? Well, something has to be put in there. You have to create silence. I know this sounds dumb to a lot of people. Just be quiet. No. No. Digitally, you can create silence. Mm -hmm. There's many times when you and I are talking and we'll bump into each other. I'll separate our voices and then I'll insert silence. Oh, yeah. Because it'll sound more natural. Mm -hmm. Yes. So those are things that never occurred to me. Someone has to figure out where the fade up and the fade down. Because nobody in the studio just goes quieter, quieter 
quieter, 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 quieter. There we faded out. That's exactly <laughs> Somebody right. Somebody has to do that. That's exactly right. So, okay, we'll come back with other things that have to get done. Vince Neal, uh, isolated track, Motley Crue, looks at Kill on Rock School. See the razor shop. If she don't get her way, she's lost you about. Now she's a cool, cool black. Talking mastering here on Rock School, and I also need to talk about what it's going to cost you to make the uh, the disc. But let me talk about a couple other things, things that you never thought about. There is this thing called loudness you have to be concerned about in mastering, meaning you don't want your songs, when you put it in, to explode, yes. and then the next yeah. song not to explode. Right. So there has to be a consistency of loudness, and there is also an industry-applied relative song volume, they call it. Hmm. People expect songs to be at a specific level. Yes. I, I keep my iPod at this level. I don't expect the songs to be way in the distance, Yeah. Right. and a mastering person will do that. Also, they have this thing called normalization. Do you do you do you offer normalization? Did you put normalization on a track when you when you finish it? I normalize every track that we do here vocally, mm-hmm. but do you normalize a track when you master? Oh, well, by the way, I should tell them normalization is adding a consistent amount of gain across the entire track. Mm-hmm. So if if think um, uh, um, jukebox hero by Foreigner. He heard one guitar, boom. That could just send the needles off the end. But since it's normalized, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's equivalent. It's equal. Yeah. Do you add normalization? It really depends. They, that's in, in normalization, it's basically the same thing as compression. Yeah. It's um, just consistent. It's consistent compression. Right. You have to to an extent, but you don't want to overuse compression because, if, man, if you use too much, it just sucks the life out of a song. Right. You get the last uh, Metallica album. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, you do it to an extent. You don't want to use too much compression. You really don't. You don't want to use too much normalization because if if you do, then you have no more dynamics. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, So mastering, you just, what it comes down to is you need a pro. You need somebody that knows how to master. Mm -hmm. We have one time for one more break, and then we got to talk about what it's going to cost you to make your CD, and that should wrap up the four shows. We need a short one. Here's Bob Marley, Isolated Voice into One Love. People get ready here in Rock School. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel all right. Hear the children crying. Hear the children crying, saying, give thanks and praise to the Lord, and I will feel all right. Let's get together and feel all right. Okay, last break here in Rock School. We only have about two minutes to talk, two, two and a half minutes. Two other things that were on that mastering list that I should have talked about. The person who masters oftentimes suggests a track listing. Yes. You know, keeping the songs consistent so Mm -hmm. they're not all hard, then all soft. Right. And again, another thing I never thought of, how much space do you want between the songs? 
industry standard is usually about two seconds. Okay. Someone's got to do that. Yeah. And he or she does that. Okay, you've got it. It's mastered. It's done. What do you do? Well, you have to burn it to something. I know you can take it straight to MP3, and that's done through any audio program, Mm -hmm. and throw it up on iTunes. But it's better at the gig if you have little discs to sell, is it not? Oh, yeah. So you have to have a glass master of your CD created, and then you can make as many copies as you want. Who does this? Pick a place. Tons Pick of a place. Mm-hmm. Now, here is just what I got off of going to the uh, internet. You tell me if, if these prices are in line. EasyDisc.com, 300 discs for $400. Please understand that that's got the introductory in it where they have to make the glass disc and such. Right. Um, buy Sonic Disc will sell you discs as low as $0.46, cents, but you have to buy a ton yep. of discs. Uh, disc makers will actually master your uh, music and then make you a slew of copies. Um, and if you're interested, and I don't know why you would do this because it's not printing, for about $300, you can buy your own disc duplicator. That'll make seven at a time. Yeah, yeah. but you I don't know do why you do that. But These other places, you, you, get them, you get them duplicated. They come in a CD tray. They're, they're shrink-wrapped. they got a barcode. Right. And you mm-hmm. can decide all kinds of stuff. Here's my artwork. Right. I want it to be in a sleeve. I want it to be in a fold-over. I want it to be in a hard CD case. I want mm-hmm. it to be in a... Yeah, you've got thousands of choices. It's all done for you. A ridiculously simple Google search will come up with multiple disc replicator companies. You just simply need to pick one. Yeah, I've used disc makers before, and they're pretty good, and their mastering is pretty good, and they're reasonable with the, with the mastering. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you're sort of leaving it out of your hands in that case. Yes, definitely. Sure, and you just have to sort of go with it. But, you know, if you're low on cash, that's that. And that wraps up the four-song set of Making Your Own Demo. Hopefully we help somebody out there. If not, maybe you're completely angry at us because we've said things that I don't agree with that. Well, get mad at Dave Perricone because he's the guy that that looked at all my notes and either approved or changed them. That's me. Blame most of it on you. That wraps it up. We'll be back next week with a completely different topic. I'm Joe Burns. Monique Gregoire. Thank you for being here for all four shows. Glad to be here. Loved it. Thanks. You were? David Perricone. That does it. Class is dismissed. to live together in the kind of world where we belong You know it's gonna make it that much better when we can say goodnight and stay together